This series is about the lives of ordinary Cubans, their lives in their country behind the tourist facade and the state propaganda, their real lives. After 50 years of Cold War, it seems relations between the U.S. and Cuba are within reach, and Cuban President Raul Castro seems game. You really want to do something about the government of Cuba? You should know that whenever the government of Cuba publishes some kind of news, it's a lie. You should tell people on an international level that's a lie. Pope Francis is urging the Cuban and U.S. governments to push ahead as the countries work at normalizing relations. The pontiff made the remarks after landing in Havana on Saturday. What political prisoners? Give me a name or names. That's how Castro answered when a U.S. reporter asked why Cuba even has political prisoners. In Cuba, I worked as a security agent for almost 15 years. My job was low profile but important. It was to infiltrate my own friends. And because of my work, they went to prison. And some people are still in prison because of what I did. And I feel really bad about it. All the people whose stories we're telling left Cuba in 2015. And at some point, after sometimes a very treacherous journey, some of them made it to Mexico and some even reached America. Each one, in their own way, made the decision to express themselves freely. And it was because they spoke up that life in Cuba became intolerable for them. Most of them flew to Guyana and traveled overland through around eight countries using people smugglers before arriving in Mexico. Many had walked through the Darien Gap, a 150 kilometer stretch of jungle between Colombia and Panama, considered one of the world's most dangerous. Cuba is the only country in the Americas where most international human rights organizations are denied access. It was after they fled Cuba that Amnesty International met them and asked if they could record their stories. To protect their anonymity, some of the identifying details have been changed and interviewees have been given pseudonyms and voiced by actors. This is Alvador's story. My name is Alvaro Perez, and I'm 33 years old. When I was 14, I took the test to join the military school in Cuba. And that's where this story begins. I was in the cadet school for three years. At the end of that time, they told me that I couldn't continue my training. The state often did that to people. They would look for an excuse so that others would not become suspicious that they were taking you out. I was then told I had to sign a document agreeing to become part of the troops for the state security. They are like the political police of Cuba. They select you based on political views, your ideas, your physical condition, your intelligence. If they offer you this position, it means that they already know everything about you and that you meet all the requirements to become part of this group. In preparation, you need to assist at secret places that appear to be normal houses with a family living inside them. But they are in fact used to train people to become agents. I always went alone. One or two officers, dressed as civilians, train you for the field. They assign you roles such as anti-terrorism, illegal migration. An officer can be responsible for training between seven to 11 people, but you don't know who the other people are, and they don't know you. To share information between us, there is a counterpart. They verify the information first. State security is very complicated. 
It is made of a large amount of people, men and women. It's an intelligent agency. They control everything, absolutely everything. There's nothing at all that they don't know about. After I finished the training, I began to work like any other person in Cuba. They want you to appear like everyone else. I did many different jobs. I, I used to work in the service industry, then in a drug company, then in a factory. I, I passed information to my boss in different ways. I, I used it the phone, told him that I needed to see him, and when he was coming towards me, I would give him a sign. And he would look at me and give me signs back about the place and the time to meet. Our communication was non-verbal. It was with uh, signs and uh, with the uh, objects. They send you to where they want you to be so you can get the information that they need. F for example, in the job where I spent the longest period of time in, in the factory, I, I was there with a mission to spy and detect certain activities, including if there was anybody who was against the president. I, I was working my normal job there. But at the same time, I was undercover collecting any information that may be useful for the security of the state. Anything that was useful to the state. They wanted me to infiltrate, just like some kind of James Bond. My immediate family are the only people who knew about my security job. You know that feeling like you're going to explode? Well, one day I exploded. I stood up for a guy in the street that was going to get arrested for selling food on the black market. I couldn't take it anymore, so they arrested me. They didn't ask me any questions because they knew who I was, so I called who I had to call, and they let me go. I first tried to leave Cuba several years ago. Like almost all Cubans who tried to leave, I planned my escape by boat but the boat wasn't up for the job. I then tried to escape a second time, again by boat, but state security agents caught me and arrested me. They kept me under investigation in a cell for several days. They put me in a room without windows, just a door with four others. They gave us food through a small opening. We had to sleep on the floor and there was no ventilation. After I went to prison, I tried to join the opposition. I wanted to voice that I was against what the state was doing. I wanted to try to morally redeem my conscience. But I didn't feel comfortable in these groups. Because I knew that these groups have also been infiltrated by state agents. After that, life in Cuba got impossible for me. Because as a special agent, you have a lot of information, and if you turn against the government, they will have to kill you. So I left. In Cuba, it seems like everything is illegal. The internal economy of Cuba is such that the salary is not enough to buy food and the Cuban government knows this very well. If you work in a pastry shop, say, you, you, you will have to take some eggs, but flour and sugar to eat at home or to sell it for some extra money. It's a necessity. And if you get caught, 
you get fired from your job and cannot work anymore. Stop and search by the police is not allowed in Cuba, but they do it anyway. Everyone in Cuba hates the police because they know that if you have 30 eggs and 4 kilos of sugar in your bag, that this isn't for business, nor because you're against the government, but to have something to eat at home because you need it. The intelligence in Cuba is so big, so organized. They control the entire country. Where you wouldn't expect them, there they are. There is a lot of surveillance in Cuba. The aim is for them to gather even the smallest bits of information, like what you eat, what you wear. It is all useful for them. Why? Because when you take these people in for interrogation, you can say that, for example, yesterday, you were wearing a skirt and a red blouse and you were eating this in that restaurant. It's like credibility about what you know about them. Infiltrators are everywhere and they look like ordinary people. So, for example, if a group decide to do a protest on a bus, the Ministry of Interior are already prepared. They already know and they intercept them dressed as civilians. So, people from other countries think that it was an ordinary people doing these things, but it was actually police officers dressed as civilians. In every province of Cuba there are special units of the army, and they all have weapons, depending on their specialists pistols, machine guns, rifles. There's also a type of stick that undercover agents dressed as civilians use to beat people. People cannot speak out against the, the government. And, and if you do, you will lose your job, your income, your food. You won't be able to sustain your family or to pay the bills. And that's the reason why people are afraid. You have no idea how it made me feel. Occasionally, if people were doing bad things, I did feel satisfaction, but not when it was stupid things that only happened in Cuba. Then I started to realize that what I was doing wasn't right, and I started to feel regret. And what I'm going to say will really surprise you. They didn't pay me anything to do it. They paid for my costs, and when I finished the mission successfully, they would give me bottles of rum, clothes, that's all. When I went outside the country, I realized that the reality out there was very different. That that wasn't the life that I wanted. Not for me, not for my family, not for my people, but I couldn't do anything about it. So then my mentality changed completely. I have read the Constitution of Cuba and I know what we can and cannot do. But it was when I went overseas that I first realized that human rights don't exist in Cuba. And I realized how other people lived outside Cuba. And that what I had been taught was not how it was, that the world was very different, that the system in Cuba was a lie. Everything they told us was a lie. In Cuba, they put people in prison illegally, people who have done absolutely nothing wrong at all. They use violence to do this, and they do it to suppress the people. And I'm a person who really enjoys freedom. And I enjoy expressing what I feel, but, but I couldn't express myself. I felt imprisoned. So a year before I left, I stopped working as a security officer. My family stayed in Cuba. I was afraid for them. 
I went to Guyana, then to Brazil, Boa Vista. I was in Sao Paulo. After that, I went through Venezuela, Colombia, Costa Rica, Panama, and finally here to Mexico. In Mexico, I can't work. I'm sure that, not now, but at some point, Cuba's intelligence services will also know about this interview. Many people have walked by, and among them also several informants, even here in Mexico and in the USA. I'm absolutely sure about it. Everywhere there are people from Cuba's security forces. When Cuba releases news out to the world, you need to step up to them and tell everyone that it's not true. Tell them this story straight in their faces and look at their faces just to see what they will say. But this conversation has taken a great weight of me because it's, it's really difficult to talk about things like this. I've been hiding in Mexico for an entire year. But I'm not a criminal and I'm tired of this. They will not be able to deport me because before that, I would escape to Guatemala. Unless, of course, they find out where I'm staying. But I would kill myself before they could send me back to Cuba. You've been listening to Alvaro's story, part of the Cuban Live series by Amnesty International. Thank you for listening. <laughs>